0: Welcome back, everyone, to our third episode of Cards of the Octagon. Today, it is a beautiful Friday. Uh, there is a big card tomorrow. You know we're going to be watching. We know you're going to be watching, and we're excited to talk about that card in the next episode. And preview we're going to preview it this episode and talk about it in the next episode as well. I just We just want to say we really appreciate the support so far. It's been fantastic. Uh, we're super happy and excited to keep doing this. And we're glad that you guys are happy and excited to listen. Uh, don't forget to follow all our accounts, Cards of the Octagon on Twitter, which is at Cards Octagon. Uh, Cards of the Octagon on Instagram, which is um, at Cards of the Octagon. There is a Cards of the Octagon YouTube. It'll be difficult to find uh, because we haven't uploaded anything. But once we do upload stuff, we'll share the link. You will be able to find us. No worries. Also, don't forget to follow our personals and our other businesses like All Time Cards at All Time Cards. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter at three one four sports cards, uh, it's sorry, it's at three one four sports underscore cards at both Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to follow Food Film Fahad, which is myself, on also Instagram and Twitter. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for content for fighter with fighters starting as soon as next week. Uh, we have things lined up. Uh, we, we're not making any announcements just yet because we want to finalize things, but we do have things coming up soon. Again, we'll be posting that and updating it on our Instagram and our Twitter, so do not miss out. Um, in this episode, we'll be talking about the grasso Arahu fights. We're going to go through the picks and find out who the loser is. Uh, we're also going to preview Big UFC 280, which is the car tomorrow. And we're going to talk about all the card implications and predictions with UFC uh, 280 and all other UFC news. So take it away, guys.
1: Thanks, Fad. That was quite the mouthful, but we appreciate it. I'm excited for this episode, excited for the fights. This weekend, UFC 280, it's an early start time. I think it's like 9 a.m. Central Time is the prelims, and I think it's 1 p.m. Central Time pay-per-view. It's going to be a fun card. But before we dive into that preview and make our picks, uh, we're gonna be doing the little bit of review of the last Saturday's card when Alexa Grasso uh, beat Vivian Arajujo Plus, kind of talk about our favorite moments of that card. Uh, Fahad, do you have the picks pulled up, or do you remember the picks for last weekend? Yeah, we have the picks.
0: Yeah. yeah, I have, I have, I have your guys's picks, and uh, I One. have the. Uh, well, we're, I'm gonna go through them real quick. Uh, for the prelims, Devin, you had. Both of you had Pete Rodriguez. Uh, both of you got that right. Both of you had uh, Tayara. Both of you got that right. Both of you had Rodriguez in the women's tra- star weight straw weight. Both of you had that right. Um, Brito versus Alexander. Devin had Brito. Gavin had Alexander. So Devin gets a point. Uh, Jacob malkun fight. Both of you had Jacob. He won. Uh, Victor Henry. Both of you had that. Um actually wait, I don't see that fight. Who won that fight? We lost What's that one That one was uh, a
2: that was disappointing as far as the performance went on that one.
0: I agree. Both of you picked Brandon Davis, both of you got it wrong. Uh so so far, you know. Another disappointing one. So far, um Devin is Devin winning wins. by one point in the main card. Uh Manfield won. Both of you had that picked. Then it was um dusko which is what devin picked so that's two points for devin um after that it was you pick gup cup swanson took the l there so that's another point for devin so that's three points with devin um and is the was the um jordan Wright or sorry the Royval fight canceled yeah that was canceled happened dang so Devin is leading with three points, and then both of you guys picked uh Grosso and she won. So Devin won that one. Gavin, it's okay. You well, you get him next time, buddy. And this weekend, I think
1: I think any fight this weekend on two eighty could be either. I mean, a lot of the main a lot of the bigger fights could be either or. So I've to end up losing this next weekend very, very <laughs> easily, I feel like. So it happens.
0: <laughs> you win some, you lose some.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Devin, I mean, Devin went nine for eleven. I went
2: six for eleven. Um Going back to some of those, I just want to touch on them real quick. Um, the Alexander fight, I want to touch on that one real quick. Um, I, I wanted I, That one was more of a funny pick for me. He didn't have a picture, so I'm just going to write that one off. But <laughs> going to some other ones, the Henry fight, that was a pretty surprising loss. Um, I feel like everyone pretty much had Henry um, going into that. Um, pretty disappointing, I guess. And then uh, the Davis fight also. I mean, I was a little bit disappointed in that one as well. I feel like there was a little bit of uh, too much playing around. I feel like if Davis really honed in, I think he could have pulled that off. But I just want to touch on those real quick.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there were some really really good performances last Saturday as well. Of course, Alexa Grasso, a pretty clean performance. Pretty, nothing, you know, no knockout or anything, but looked really good in in the five rounds versus Arihujo. Uh, Jonathan Martinez against Cub Swanson, of course, had the late kick TKO, looked good. Could be a future contender at the 135 division. Uh, Menfield looked really good. Uh, he's like a guy who could have, He's a little bit older, but could have a big future in that division. And then uh, I think the biggest, like the, 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 sort of the best guy to watch on last weekend's card was Tatsuro Taira. Looks to be a really good contender maybe in that division of 125. A lot coming up for him maybe in the future.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, what, what what we can do real quick is uh, there's some there's some big performances. So let's just work our way from the bottom of the card up um, and talk about them real quick. So let's start with uh, Pete Rodriguez. I mean, massive KO for Pete. Um, I feel like a good amount of people. I feel like the the majority probably thought that that fight was going to go that way. Maybe not in a uh, spectacular so. fashion that he did it in, but definitely a pretty quick win is what I was thinking for that as well. So. Big I, performance think I think his
1: nickname is dead game. I think it's what yeah. his nickname is. It's a pretty terrifying guy. That's for sure. And he proved it with his knee on Mike Jackson. Yeah, for sure.
2: And then next we uh, brought him up a little bit and talked about him last episode for a rookie to look out for uh, Tats- Tatsudo uh, Tyra. I mean, goodness gracious. I, he earned the performance of the night, which like I said, he earned that. Um, he got it with a second round uh, submission I believe we might have called that uh, the last episode as well. Um, Look, I think they said he's the fifth youngest in the UFC. He's 22 years old. He's not in any product yet. So like we said last episode, definitely a guy to look out for. I want to point out as well, um, the submission was extremely, it was so flawless. But his transitions that fight were so clean. And for a Guy, I mean, he has a good amount of submission wins, as we touched on last episode as well. But his submissions, or his transmission transitions, were just so clean in that fight.
1: Yeah, for Guy, as young as he is, um, in his early 20s, of course, he looked every bit apart as a future contender at 125. And this weekend, we have Muhammad Mokayev, who is widely considered to be one of the best prospects in any division, pound-for-pound prospects in the UFC. It would be maybe possible down down the road to see a Molchayev Tara matchup at flyweight.
2: Yeah, that'd be extremely exciting. And the next we're going to the Brito fight, which man, another one, amazing submission, amazing fight. Uh, Brito came out; he's very explosive. So I think he's another guy. Maybe keep your eye on; he's very exciting. Definitely. Then we've got the Minifield.
1: I think this is another one. I'm pretty sure we called Minifield getting that KO. Yeah, um, it was hard not to pick that. To be honest with you, I mean, Minifield's got so much power, and Strickernoff's chin is, is nowhere to be found these days. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. So now we called it last episode. I think Minifield, since he did get that first round KO, we were talking about he is older, so it's a little bit hard to see where we place him. But with the first round KO, we're predicting that he's probably going to get a 12 to 15 ranked guy. Unfortunately, I do want to hit on this. All of the like ranked 12 to 15 guys. Um, in his division, they're pretty much all booked up. There's only one that's left, and that's Jimmy Crute. Um, which, if Jimmy Crute is healthy, we may see, I'm going to predict we might see Alonzo Crute, maybe even in Crute's home country in Australia next year.
1: Yeah, I don't know his health. I mean, he's had the whole leg injury versus Anthony Smith. I don't think he's fought since. So, come down to his health. But as you were saying, Gavin, I mean, he probably wouldn't jump into the top 10 to fight somebody. But, you know... Does he fight somebody outside the rankings to try to get into the top 10? His next fight is possible, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that 12 to 15 range makes more sense um, just with that dominant win. And he's older, so I feel like putting him against a 12 to 15 guy, He's not. he doesn't deserve to have anybody in the top 10 yet. Uh, but just testing him, seeing if he's still got it since his age is getting older for 12, 15 guys. So next, we're going to move on to uh, Martinez as in the Martinez that fought. Oh, hold on. Let's go back. Sorry. Uh, let's do Rafael, Another guy. Uh, it's a big upset in my book. I don't think anybody really had Rafael. If you did congratulations, cause that's a great pick. Uh, he looked extremely sharp. He had amazing striking and I think a really good pace as well. Um, I think what happened in this fight is i think the experience of rafael played a massive factor uh rafael's got 28 wins in his career um henry still a a relatively younger guy in the ufc we hadn't seen much but what we did see with henry in his previous fights were exciting um so like i said i think with rafael's uh experience with the 28 wins i think that really helped him upset henry in that fight which was disappointing because i was excited and i did think henry was going to pull it off but man, I mean Raphael, it would it looked like a pretty dominant performance if you look statistically though. It's kind of surprising Raphael had 60 significant strikes, Henry had 55, Raphael had 2 takedowns and uh then Raphael had 71% total strikes and Henry had 46. So, I feel like it looked more dominant than it was st- statistically, but I mean, like I said, congratulations to Raphael. It was a great fight by him.
1: Yeah, I think that that fight happened Maybe three or four years ago, it would have been a uh, Rafael Sunshine pick in the landslide, no doubt about it. But he is getting older, and Henry had a great debut win in January over Rowney Barcelos. Mar- so that kind of flipped the script to favor Henry in this fight. But, but again, you know, Sunshine's had a significantly better career to, to this date. He's been had a big win streak in the UFC a few couple of years ago, but people thought his age may have caught up with him. It didn't on Saturday night, of course.
2: Yeah, 100%. Now we're going to go to Martinez versus Cub, which, man, I, I know some people were very high on Martinez. Um, I picked Cub, obviously. I wanted to see a Cub come back in the UFC, but man, Martinez's leg kicks, they were some chopping, crazy hard leg kicks, super impressive. Um, It's sad to see Cub get dominated like that by Martinez, but with that being said, Martinez looked, he looked legit, man. And uh, with that being said, he's he's coming off four wins in a row now. Um, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think he deserves a top 15 guy yet?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, great great game plan for him and his coach, Mark Montoya. Really doing all, everything well right now. Boxing, kicking, it's all looking good for Martinez. I, I think he's definitely deserving of a top, a top 15 opponent. Maybe one of these young guys like Umar, someone like that, who I think, could use a test like Martinez. guy was very technical, very balanced, would be a good test for some of these younger guys coming up through the Book division.
2: I agree as well. I mean, his last three fights before Cub were decisions, um, which I know isn't the most exciting thing for people, especially if you're trying to climb the ranks. But since he did come out against Cub, who everybody knows who Cub Swanson is, and had an exciting win with those leg kicks, he looked sharp. I think he definitely earned a top 15 guy. And even throwing that name Umar out there. I think that's, that would be a big fight for him. Uh, big fight for both guys. So next we're going to move in to the main event, which was Grasso and Araujo. Um, we both got this right. Grosso, man, we, we called this one. I feel like this was a pretty easy one as well. I mean, Grosso's boxing was so on point. She's so quick and like her boxing is just masterful, man. It's 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 a beautiful sight to see when you see somebody put together combinations with the speed that she does. Um, I just want to ask, what do you think is next for Grosso, Devin, after this big win?
1: Yeah, I think there is some. It's definitely going to get somebody in the top five, if not top three. I mean, I think Tyler Santos, who fought Valentina of Shevchenko her last time out, would be a great matchup chance For her to rebound for someone really on a good streak, but for Grosso, a chance for her to beat somebody who gave Shevchenko a pretty good run for her money, in my opinion. So, uh, that would be a good fight to make, in my opinion. But either way, she's looking at somebody probably above her in the rankings for sure.
2: No, I 100% agree for sure. It's that division right now like we've got Manon and Caitlin Chukagan fighting this weekend, um, top top people, obviously, in that division. So I think, I agree. I think Santos Santos is sitting at number two right now. Um, I think that fight should happen. I think it makes sense to happen. Uh, for both of those fighters, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, with that being said, I do want to hit on something that you pointed out. Um, Santos, her, she's coming off the loss to Shevchenko, which a lot of people think she actually might have won that fight against Shevchenko. So being able to see um, Santos come back and fight somebody like Grosso that, like you said, is coming off a pretty good streak. It'd be good for both of them. So maybe we see a Grosso title shot soon if she gets that Santos fight and beats Santos. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it is interesting for Santos. We've seen a lot of fighters who have gotten so close to the title have disappointing fights after that fight. Uh, Dominic Reyes came, comes to mind after you fought John Jones. Right? It's it's tough to go to be that close to winning the belt. On, on a decision, nonetheless, and, and then have a good balance back. So it would be a big test for, for Santos, but chance for her to get right, get right back in the, the top three picture, and at one twenty five.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think not going too deep into Santos, but Santos is still relatively young. I think her rookie was in this year's select product. If I'm if I'm right, I think so. Yep. So she's got opportunity, and she's got she's got great potential. So. Maybe we see Grosso, Santos, whoever wins um, after the Chukagan and Manon fight this weekend. All those fights go down. We'll see who gets uh, the next shot at VAL, which we all love watching VAL fight. So I'm interested to see how that plays out.
1: Well, and speaking of Manon and Chukagan, let's dive right into it. Gavin and Pajal, let's dive into our second segment of the show today, our preview of UFC 280. It goes down Saturday during the day here in the U.S., uh, from Abu Dhabi, it's going to be a great card. It's going to be a lot of excitement. A lot of fans are going to be in the building. Of course, I'm excited for this card. I don't remember a card with this much uh, build-up, in my opinion. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, I know we've had some great cards at MSG, some great cards even in London, but this card it just feels different. It feels special. It feels unique. You have two title fights, including, in my opinion, the best fight on paper of the year in Oliveira-Makachev. You have Sean O'Malley, you have Daryush Gamrot, of course, you have Sterling Dillashaw as the second type of fight on the night. Uh, going to be a great fight. You even have Bilal Mohammed versus Sean Brady, which could headline any fight night throughout the year as your victory prelim fight as well. So it's going to be a fun day of fights. 100%, man. I don't think I've been as excited
2: for a card ever as this one's coming out. I mean... I think this card, without a doubt, it has to be one of the most stacked UFC cards ever made of all time. I think it's taking the crown for that momentarily. Maybe we'll see something crazier in the future, I hope. But as of right now, I think this is one of the craziest cards in UFC history. Um, I don't think there's truly a comparison. I mean, as far as depth and talent goes to how big this card is. I mean, like you said, we've got... People that are fighting in the prelims that could headline fight nights nine t- ten times out of ten, actually, ten times out of ten. Yeah. Um, I think if, if, the, if you could make any comparison to how big and the feel, it's more of the feel thing for me. I think there's a certain feel, um, as big as this one from a pass card. And I think it would have to be the feeling of UFC 229 when we saw Connor versus Habib in 2018. Um, it's just the fact of just pure chaos and excitement. I think that's the closest thing that you can compare, not talent and depth-wise as the overall card goes, but just like the excitement and chaos that we know we're going to see on Saturday. I think the closest we could do is the Connor and Habib 2018 fight, UFC 229.
1: And for me, another comparison is the 2017 card at MSG New York City, which had three title fights, including GSP in the main event. Also had three new champions, including GSP in the main event. So... Uh, some of those early MSG cards, like the one in 2017, which had, you know, Ioana, uh, Rose beating Yoan of the head kick, and then GSP and Dillashaw, it's it was so exciting, and I think this and this card feels that way. You have so many fighters that have such have so many things to prove and so many things to solidify about them as a fighter, and the fights are such toss-ups in my opinion too. I mean, from the bilal brady Brady fight on the picture prelim to the five fights on the main card. I could take going going any way possible. In my opinion, the the options and the amount of of picks are endless. We never know what might happen. You have Oliveira trying to prove he's the best lightweight ever and the best fighter ever too. I mean, he's he's going to be if he wins this fight on Saturday in the top five, if not top ten, maybe gold conversations. In my opinion, I mean, to be the best at a division that's kind of considered one of the best divisions would be no no way. I wouldn't have him in the conversation. In my opinion. You have Sterling going to kind of silence the haters a little bit. Sean O'Malley, if I'm the number one ranked guy, it's a big test for him. Uh, Gamrot, coming off that really close fight versus Saryukin. you know some some people thought thought he may have lost that fight. We'll see how Gamrot responds. Uh even Darius, right? Benil Darius, who has kind of flown under the radar a bit, had had that fight with 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 uh, with Makachev canceled a couple months ago. Darius wants the belt shot. He wants out of the belt for sure, and um, he wants to. Pass up Chandler, Poirier, he wants to be the next guy, if he beats Garmont, for the belt. So I'll have to prove a lot on the line come Saturday night, or Saturday during the day, I should say, and I am stoked for it. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. I think it's
2: just another addition to the craziness is we could see one of the biggest shuffles in rankings for the UFC Also, probably of all time. I mean, if Sean Brady wins against Bilal Muhammad, he would go into the top five in the welterweight division most likely. Then we've got Furio. If she beats, I mean, Chukagan, she could be number one, if not maybe number two in that division. And then we've got Gamrot. Um, If Gamrot gets a win, he could possibly move into the top five in that division as well. And uh, then, like you said, Dariush, he could get one step closer to that belt. And get closer to the top five as well because i think he's just outside the top five and he is calling for the belt so if he gets a statement win against Gamrot, he could move into the top five if Gamrot gets a big win against dariush he could also go into the top five then we've also got i think one of the most anticipated fights the sean o'malley fight with sean o'malley who's number 11 right now we've said it so many times he's fighting the number one person and Peter Yan in the bantamweight division. So if Sean gets a win over the number one guy, Sean, as crazy as this sounds, Sean could get the number one spot in the bantamweight division. And then I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but I'm hearing talks. Whoever is the winner of the Sean-Yan fight might get a title shot. And going into that, then we've got TJ versus Aljo, which is another big shift. I mean, TJ could reclaim a belt. And Aljo could defend his belt, and then, lastly, we can't forget about this. Islam could become champ, or the champion has a name, and that name is Charles Oliveira, and he could be getting his belt back. So, like I said, this could be one of the biggest shifts in rankings in UFC history. To be completely honest,
1: yeah, and from a sports card perspective too, it's every name on this on this card, or at least the the main card and the couple of prelim fights, have sports cards, UFC cards, and are. Every time I look through Facebook or eBay or anything, I see these names. I I, I see, you know, uh, Sean Brady, who's undefeated with his rookie card from 2022 PRISM. I see Gamermott's 2022 PRISM rookie card. Uh, Manon Fior, uh, Manon's rookie card from 2022 PRISM. So it's three rookies right there that are in 2022 PRISM and 2022 Products who are fighting this weekend. Uh, of course, Islam cards are crazy. Oliveira cards are crazy. We know about Sean O'Malley's market, how it's kind of been up and down, but... If he wins tomorrow, it could be at a record high. We know Sterling and, and Dilsha, maybe a little bit softer because they're not as uh, maybe popular within the within the fans. They haven't been rookies in a couple of years, or more than a couple of years now. So, But they could win. If they win dominantly, one of them does, then their cards could be up and super high now. So every fight on this card, or every big fight, at least, on this card has such big trading card implications too to where... As a card fan and a UFC fan like like us, you know, we're, we're super pumped for this.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. All of these people pretty much have cards on the market. So it's not like one of the fights where we're waiting for the 2023 guys to come out. So we can see an instant jump in these cards after this fight. So not only is it crazy for us UFC fans watching the UFC, but also for the UFC fans that love the UFC cards as well. Um because even the the shifts in the uh, in the rankings are usually reflect their card prices so could be one of the biggest shuffles we see in price points as well on these guys so with that being said you want to get into some breakdowns on these cards start from the bottom and go up let's dive right in all right. So let's start with Sean Brady versus Bilal Muhammad. So we've got Sean Brady, 15 and 0. I consider him he's more of a younger prospect still in the UFC. And then we've got Bilal Muhammad, who is 21 and 3. So Brady's 29 years old. He's 5'10". He's got a perfect pro record, um, including five in the UFC. Most notably, probably one of his biggest wins is going to be Michael Chiesa and as well as Jack Matthews. Then we've got Bilal Muhammad. He's kind of getting to maybe the older side, kind of the mid of the prime. He's 34 years old. He is 5'11", and he's got seven wins in a row, most recently beating Vicente Luque. Um, so let's get into it. Who do who do we think is going to win the wrestling battle in this matchup? Let's start with that.
1: You know, I think Brady wins the wrestling. Um, I just think he is his frame, his strength, it's been evident so far in his fight that, is, that is, it is wrestling. I think Bilal, to me, is the more well-rounded fighter. And he's also a little bit lankier, so can probably throw his jive out there a little bit more success- successfully than Brady does. So I think it's a pretty even matchup with Brady's wrestling and Bilal's overall game. But then that said, though, Bilal's a great wrestler as well, and Brady can strike too. So it's a pretty even matchup in my eyes.
2: Yeah, for wrestling, I'm going to have to go 100% Sean Brady. Um, you pointed out a great, great thing. When you look at Sean Brady, his body frame is so wide. And I think what that's going to do is just going to, it's going to make him solidify very dominant positions on the ground against Bilal. The other thing is, is Sean probably, I'm pretty sure he walks around 200 um, outside of fight fights. So he's a big guy, man. And he also trains under Daniel Gracie, which is it's, that's also a massive thing for him. Um, So I'm pretty sure at Daniel Gracie's gym, too, they don't they don't train in specific weight classes. So him having that edge as well, I know Bilal is a pretty pretty dominant wrestler as well, but I think Sean's got it in the wrestling. Um, as I agree. And in, in
1: their, in their height is, is actually, Brady's only one inch shorter, according to our records here. Brady's 5'10", Bilal is 5'11". So for me, it's kind of, it's hard for me to see a scenario when if Bilal is taken down, he gets up easily, you know, because Brady's so wide, he's so strong still pretty comparable in height I don't know if Bilal if taken down and on his back can get up very quickly yeah that's a great point I think Bilal
2: on his back is gonna be in danger I mean Bilal might be able to work some stuff up if he's on top but if he's on his back I think I think we'll probably see a pretty dominant ground game for Sean Brady but flipping the sides do you think who who do you think has the better striking edge? Do you think Bilal has the better striking edge, or do you think Sean has the better striking edge?
1: I think Bilal for sure. Uh, well, maybe not for sure, but I think Eileen Bilal was striking. I think he has a better understanding of technique and technical side of it. Uh, doesn't have much power. I mean, he's gotten, I don't think he has too many knockouts, knock, knockouts on his pro record, but kind of knows when the throw strikes, the right strikes, very technically savvy. He beat Luke A.V. decisions last time out. So, I'm going with Bilal in this fight. I've played against Bilal too many times in the past to not get to get burned again. I think he's just too much too soon for for, uh, for for Sean Brady. I think Bilal can kind of sit on his back foot a little bit, throw that jab out there, defend the takedowns, and get a, uh, a decision to win on Saturday.
2: See, the striking edge for me, it's a hard one, man. The striking edge is hard because they're both not really known for their striking. Uh... They're not, like I said, they're not really high-level strikers. Um, to be honest, like I said, this is, the striking edge is hard for these two guys. I think, I think personally, I'd probably go... I like Sean's striking probably more than Bilal's striking. Just specifically in this fight, I think. I think if, if Bilal tries to blitz him with multiple strikes at once... I feel like Sean is pretty technical, and I feel like Sean's going to want to sit back and really try to land some big counters. So for this specific matchup, I think I'm going to take Sean striking over Bilal just because I think he is going to try to hit him with some big counters. Um, for my pick on this fight, you said you're going Bilal? I am, yep. Okay, I'm gonna go Sean Brady, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Sean Brady by second round submission. That's what I'm gonna say on this one.
1: Are you writing this down, Fahad? Are you writing our picks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm okay.
0: got, I got the picks down. I got and then we'll go
1: back through the prelims after we do the main card and the Brady Bilal fight. So perfect. Yeah, perfect. Right. That's what I was gonna say. We can we'll go through all these
2: main ones, and then we'll go back through the uh, the prelims and get them all written down. So
1: next we've got let's do. Kagan and uh, Fierro. I guess the, I've, I've heard people say the name of Manon Fierro like at least 10 different ways. I'm not French. I've never spoken or speak, spoken French. I've never spoke French before. Uh, we're going to go with Manon. Or Manon. Well, either then, there's two ways. We're going to go with Manon for this for this podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's do Manon. So we've got Caitlin Chukagan, 18 and four versus Manon Fierro. That's what I'm going to say, who's nine and okay. one. Kaelin, she's 33 years old, 5'9". She's got four wins in a row. Notable wins include Amanda Rebus. We've talked very highly about her previously. Very good talent in the UFC. Jennifer Maya and Aldana in 2017, which we've also speak spoken pretty highly of. Aldana's a very good up-and-coming fighter as well in this division. Uh, her only losses uh, since 2018 are to Andraj and Valentina, which two solid, solid people in a division. So those losses probably don't weigh too heavy on her. And then we've got Manon. She is 32 years old, 5'7", so a little bit shorter. Uh, her only loss was a split decision in her debut to current Bellator fighter, Leah McC- McCourt, who is and 4-0 in the UFC? Uh, no, uh, so Fioro's 4-0 in the UFC. Four, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, sorry. And uh, her... Most notable wins is beating Maya in her last fight. So I
1: think I think Leah McCourt seven and two as a pro. Uh, she's pretty high up in the Bellator rankings. So a loss that's forgivable for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. Especially still coming up is when she obtained that loss. So she's she's got yeah. a lot of room for improvement. So my question for you, Devin, is: Do you think Chu Kagan can keep her status in the top five, or do you think it's time for somebody new to be at that top number one spot?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm gonna spoil it right now. I'm going with Chukagan in this fight. I mean, you look at it, only fighters who have beaten her since twenty eighteen are heavy hitters like Andrade and Valentina. I think Manon Manon throws 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 good power and mixes things up well. Uh, but in my eyes, she's not somebody that is gonna beat Chukagan and this with this version of Chukagan. Chukagan's so technical, so lanky, so jab and low kick heavy that I think she'll kind of lull a man into this kind of slower pace. And then by the time the fight's almost done, she's, she's, she's up in the fight. You know, we, we've seen that happen with Chukagin's opponents in the past. They, they get kind of caught in, in staring contest a bit. And they're maybe not the most exciting fights or the most uh, power-heavy thrown fight, if that's a, you know, thing. But uh, I think Chukagin's the vet. She's the experienced one. It's hard to bet against her with that in mind, plus the way she fights
2: yeah it's 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 definitely a difficult one we we prefaced it a little bit all of these are pretty close toss-ups to be completely honest so i think like you said Chukagan is just she's such a solid well-rounded fighter she's got amazing technique her style is so good. That's I think her style and her technique is what makes her so special and is the reason why she has stayed at that top spot for so long.
1: Well oh, and she knows she knows her game without pushing it too far. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of fighters they don't like getting to de- this decisions, they don't they don't like going to the scorecards, but she's fine because she keeps winning doing it, right? Like she doesn't have to push the action because she's still winning without doing that, right? So yeah. I mean, the, the benefits the way she fights for sure.
2: Definitely. And I think if we see a dominant Chukagan come out against Manon, I feel like if she gets a dominant win against Manon, I think she's going to get another shot at Val, which is exciting. Um, I also want to get in. We'll talk a little bit out about Manon as well. Do you think Manon can force the action against Chukagan, or do you think Chukagan's just too technical, too physical that it's going to be hard for her to force any action upon Chukagan?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jukagin's jab is just so is so precise and accurate. Now there's not much power behind it, so if Manone really commits to throwing a combo, uh, she might be able to get past that jab. But I think the only way Manone wins this fight is if she mixes in some some takedowns. We've seen Jukagin on her back, like against like against Savchenko, for example. She's lost rounds off her back as well. Uh, she has a pretty active guard with like triangles and such, but. Those probably wouldn't be a threat to Manon, in my opinion. So, again, the only way Manon wins this fight is if she makes in some takedowns, at least in my opinion. Uh, but again, a very tough fight to pick. Uh, you know, it's either it's either kind of the the vet here or the new blood, uh, younger fight, or at least more younger in UFC terms, fighter in Manon on gold. Which cake, And who's your pick, Gavin?
2: Man, see, I don't want my my whatnot family to hate me because everybody we've been talking about Manon for a while. I think Manon's a great young prospect, but like I said, don't hate me. But I think I'm also gonna go Caitlyn as well. She's just she's too technical. I think Manon will Manon will have her time. I promise it'll be it'll be soon. But as far as this Saturday goes, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Chukagan as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of in are buying a lot of men in cards, so for their sake I hope she wins the Saturday. But again, it's a tough fight. You have such an experience, been there, done that fighter in Chukagan. It's harder to answer until we see otherwise, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I can't emphasize enough these all of these fights Saturday are so very, close. very close. So even it really, neither I don't think me or Devin are completely one-sided on most of these fights. So most of them are pretty much toss-ups, and I think really, they to the be super the close. The only
1: fight is the Mokaya fight, which is you know on the prelims, the early side of the prelims. But other than that, I think every fight is pretty much a toss-up even some of the other prelims as well. So uh, should be a great night, a great, I keep saying night, a great day of cards. Uh, Sorry, of fights, I mean, Uh, and cards too, (laughs) I guess, but fights and cards, but should be a great day. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Then we jump into a fight, a lightweight, Badil Darius, 21, four and one against Matus, Gameraat, 21 and one. These fighters, this is probably to me, the toughest fight to pick. This one's hard. I I can't really envision either one of these guys losing because they're so good, they're so technical, and power-heavy as well. Both have great grappling, both have great power. They're just solid, amazing fighters that I can't, in my head, I can't really picture one of them losing. Uh, And they're both very similar. They both have power, but a really good ground game as well. So it's a clash of two very, very similar fighters stylistically to where... Unreal hard fight to pick.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it on paper, it's it's unbelievably close. I mean, Benil, thirty three in age, Rod's thirty one. They're both five ten. They're both look very dominant in the wins that they do have. We've got Benil, whose notable wins are against Drew Dober by armbar, Klaus by KO, which I'm sure everybody has seen the Klaus KO, absolute madness, and then Tony Ferguson by decision he's they're both so well-rounded we've got gamrot who's um he's he's very good man i mean he lost in his ufc debut um but we've seen a bounce back because now he's got four wins in a row most notably beating armand which is that's a big fight man and i know a lot of people i'll I'll get more into it but that armand fight was big for him because not only it's just a massive boost of confidence for him so On paper, like we said, it's a very close one. So my question is, as a card perspective, let's talk. Let's go a little into Gamrot. Um, Gamrot, he has a rookie card in
1: Prism, um, and I feel like it's kind of forgotten about. What do you think, Devin? Yeah, he's kind of. I I agree. He's kind of the forgotten guy in that rookie class, in my opinion. Uh, It's it's, now it's a loaded class. A lot of a lot of great fighters in that 2022 Prism. Uh, rookie class you know which is obviously bigger than the select chronicles rookie classes so for prism's sake it's a huge class of great great names but gamrod i mean he's could get title shot if he beats our right he could be in that line or at least a fight maybe chandler Porter, right he could be in the top five probably will be in the top three if he beats Aryush saturday so uh, but yeah i mean his cards i think because he's kind of he lost uh, his debut in the ufc uh, which was a very 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 close fight um, but then kind of got pushed very quickly after that, uh, fighting guys like Jeremy Stevens. And of course i Ar- his last time out to where there wasn't much of a buildup, which I think affected his cards a bit as well. There wasn't much of a, see how you do against these other guys, you know, for three, four or five fights, he has only had five fights for them, plus the last four of them being wins. And now he's fighting on the main card, the biggest card of the year so far. So it's looking good for him for sure. But yeah, I think he's. He's a former two division champion in Polish the Polish promotion in KSW. He's been some great fighters before the UFC and in the UFC. Super, super well-rounded, but can he handle someone doing what he does so well, grappling and power punching to him? Is the big question in my opinion, Gavin. Yeah, it's uh Gamrot's Gamrot's card
2: market is very interesting because you would think as we see with other rookies, if we're specifically talking about 2022 Prism, like you said, it's a very loaded class, very good class, but you would think someone that gets a big dominant win, he's getting a bounce back. He got a bounce back win after losing his debut fight, He beats Arman, who's a top contender, and now he's getting a massive fight against Benil Dariush. If this was any other rookie, you would think that his rookie cards would be pretty expensive, but actually his Prism rookie cards are still fairly cheap on the market. Um, Especially, Especially there's they're coach, still I think,
1: And the loss hurts them, I think. The loss to Grom, again, who's a very high-level guy in his own right, You know, people don't like having cards of guys that have losses. And that's, it's odd to say. It's weird to say. Uh, at least losses in the UFC, at least, right? You know, Guys like du duplesses, I think he might even sell for more than Gamrot on certain cards. And that's...
0: Yeah, it no, he does for that,
1: sure. It shouldn't be that way, in my opinion. It shouldn't be that way.
2: Yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I think... What really just, it tarnishes his card market, the thing that I think definitely the debut loss, but I think that last Armand fight, you would think it would do the opposite and boost his card market, but I think it did quite the opposite because that Armand fight, I think a lot of people were kind of on the fence with it. It was a little bit of a controversial kind of win for him and his book. So I think in many people's eyes, they, they don't necessarily believe in him quite yet, But with that being said, if he gets a big win over Darius this weekend, I think we could definitely see an uprise in Gamrot prices as far as his market goes and his rookies and his nicer stuff for sure.
1: Well, I think Armand is a big rookie in that class, I think, as well. So people are very, very high and were still very, very high on Armand's card and UFC fight market. So, you know, it was tough because you had two guys head to head in the main event of a good fight night. One had to lose and... I would say that going into that fight, more people were not only picking Armand, but ha- at least what I was seeing, more heavily into cards of Armand than Gamrat. So when a guy beats the guy that you have cards of, you know, some people might have bought Gamrat cards, but some of people wouldn't have. They don't like him anymore. They don't think he, or whatever they might think, right? It's not that cut and dry, I guess, but Gamrat beat their guy, right? I think, we'll, I think we're going to see that main event here on Saturday, you know, Olivera versus Islam. A lot of people have a lot of Islam cards. A lot of people have a lot of Oliveira cards. Do people flip flip boats if something happens on Saturday if one of them loses, of course? Maybe they maybe they do, maybe they don't. We'll see. Uh, anyway, though, back to this fight. Uh, incredibly close fight. Incredibly, as we said, incredibly skillful fight. It is my pick for fight of the night, I think. It's just It matches up too well to be a boring fight, in my opinion. I'm going with the vet here again, or at least the UFC vet here again. I'm going with Darius to win a very close fight.
2: Could yeah, pick Kevin? I, I agree. I think this is also going to be my pick for fight of the night as well. And I'm also going to do uh, Darius. I think Darius is going to take this one and I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to be specific on my picks. I think Darius is going to get a second round KO. Hopefully we see something, a spinning back fist or something
1: crazy. Cause I know he, Darius has it in his back pocket. I know yep. he can pull it out. That's right. He had that one over Scott Holtzman. That was just crazy. He's, he can throw hands, and he's powerful as ever. That's for sure. So, and then it brings us into the uh, the last non-title fight of the day, uh, Peter Jan, the former bantam, the former champ of bantamweight, versus Sean O'Malley. Jan is 16 and three. O'Malley is 15 and one. I think Dana White did say that the winner of this fight would fight for the, for the title next. Now I am curious to see though if if Jan wins and if Sterling wins versus Dillashaw, does that still happen? I mean, it probably does, but. We've already seen it happen really recently, in my opinion, so maybe it doesn't, but uh, I think they definitely want Sean O'Malley to be the guy if they do go in that direction, I think. But anyway, it can be a very fun fight, a very exciting fight. You have, as you were saying, Gavin, number 12, or number 11 now, I think, versus number 1. What are your thoughts, Gavin? Yeah, I mean, I think, I
2: I would say the main event in Charles and Islam is probably going to be my, pick for the most exciting that's what i'm most excited about but very very close is going to be this yawn and o'malley fight so we've got Jan, the number one guy 16 and 3 and then we've got sean o'malley uh i believe yeah he got moved up to number 11 and he's 15 and 1 um i like you said i do think that they did say the winner fights for the title shot next um we've got Jan, 29 years old 5 7 he's got big wins over cory sanhagen and jose aldo then we've got O'Malley on the opposite side. He's 27 years old. He's 5'11". His only loss is to Marlon Vero, who is on the up and up. A lot of people like Cheeto. I think Cheeto is another massive contender in that division. I mean, the bantamweight division is stacked right now. Um, he's got notable wins. Uh, Sean O'Malley does against Pavia and Thomas Almedia. Uh, Not the best opponents, but he hasn't really faced any big names yet. So for those two guys, especially the way that he finished them, I think it is impressive still, even though they're not the biggest names. So it is a big step up. Uh, Sean's fighting, like we said, the number one guy. It's insane. So you think he can handle it? That's what
1: I'm going to ask you first. You know, I think that's kind of an interesting question to me because I think it's more on Jan if he can handle it versus O'Malley. We've seen O'Malley really only get beat by his own leg fault. Some people want to say that he had the leg injury versus Marlon Vera. And then the, he poked Pedro Munoz in the eyes last fight. So, O'Malley doesn't really have a clean, you know, uncontroversial loss on his record. Um, I think mean, pressure's on Jan. Jan is fighting a guy like Sean O'Malley who's everywhere in the media, everywhere in the news, on Twitch. A lot of people like him on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. He's in all these cool videos with Brendan Schaub and all these other guys. It's like Jan is kind of, I feel like the second fight for Sterling, when Sterling beat Jan, Jan kind of, in rounds four and five, kind of slowed down a bit to where he looked out of it a little bit. He looked like he was maybe, you know, kind of defeated. And I think for Jan to win this fight, even though we saw him, he's so much higher in the rankings than O'Malley, he's got to be focused, got to be going all three rounds. It lasts that long, and really putting his mind into it. Uh, it's a good fight. Uh, there is like a, you know, as you said, Gavin. I think a uh, a four inch height difference between O'Malley and Yan that should play a factor to some extent. How much of it does? I don't know. We don't know yet. Um, should be a great fight, though. Uh, I think O'Malley's confidence is very, very high. It's Yan to me that has to be at the high level come Saturday.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think a hundred percent. I think O'Malley can handle this. I mean. We heard Dana White, the president of the UFC, say it. He said, Sean O'Malley is that thing. He's the thing that the UFC needs, man. So, I mean, I think with his striking and, like you said, the height difference, so his length, it's going to play very, very big in this fight. Um, It's a big height differential. We've also got a big reach differential. It's going to be big, man. And I think not only is it going to be big for him and his career, but it's going to be big for his card market as well. Um, I want to touch on this as well. Do you think that we can take anything from that Pedro Munoz fight that you brought up, um, either encouraging or discouraging from O'Malley heading into this Pedreon fight?
1: You know, I think it's, it's probably both, I think, both encouraging and discouraging. I mean, I think he was losing the fight or lost the first round of that fight. Uh, Some of the judges had scored to that point. Uh, but the same side, though, like, he did not get a clean win like he wanted, so maybe he's out for some revenge against Peter Jan, right? Like, he's he's mad himself. He didn't finish Munoz earlier, whatever he might think, to where he may have more of a triple on his shoulder coming into the fight versus Jan. So I think it goes both ways. I mean, he did lose the first round, but he's has that desire now to be better than ever before against Peter Jan. So both in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm along the same terms. I think the best takeaway we could take... A- from that last fight against Pedro was that it's, it's quite simple. Sean was ready. And I think what was good about that is we didn't see much in that fight, obviously, because it was finished by a stoppage. Um, But what was good is what we did see. He looked quick. More importantly, he wasn't backing down from a shot at a bigger opponent, which everybody, I think, When that fight got announced, everybody was wondering because there's that talk around, oh, Sean hasn't fought anybody. Sean hasn't fought anybody. He's got all this hype. But from what we saw, I mean, he came into that fight ready. I feel like most of the guys that are climbing ranks in the UFC, when they get that big step-up fight, you see them play it very conservative. And I think what we saw in the limited time that we did see it, Sean came in there. he, He was throwing kicks. He was active. He wasn't stepping away from the competition. And I think that is the biggest takeaway, to be completely honest, going into this Peter Yan fight. Because if if Sean has that mentality where he's not going to back down and he's going to come in guns blazing against Peter Yan, I think if he comes in with that mentality, we could see Sean really shock the whole world, to be completely honest. Who's your pick, Gavin? I'm going to go Sean. I'm going to say Sean O'Malley to the moon. That's what I'm going to
1: say. You know, I I think for the card market, Sean winning would be huge. He'd probably... well. I think he would be the highest-selling overall card in the whole market if he gets a win, especially an impressive win on Saturday against Peter Jan, but I'm going to go with Jan. Again, super, super tough fight to pick. Um, you know, all these fights are very tough to pick. But I'm going to say Jan, Sean,
2: Sean by unanimous decision specifically. What do you got for Peter since you're on Peter? You got to call it I out. Think,
1: I think Jan via third-round TKO, I think he kind of wears on Sean uh, some takedowns, maybe some some good jabs, some boxing. I mean, it wasn't long ago when Dustin Poirier called Peter Yan's boxing the best in the UFC. And I think if Yan can touch O'Malley and kind of get over that reach and that height difference, I think Yan is just too much too soon for Sean. But I think Sean could still be champion one one day. But going up from from Paiva and then the the, the ending to the Munoz fight to Peter Yan is is a massive massive step up and to me it won't happen on saturday in my opinion
2: yeah i mean that was that was a good point that you pointed out he he still could be champion one day even if he gets this loss on saturday because he's still young man i think sean's only 27 years old so i'm glad you pointed that out because i i don't want people to think oh if sean loses the the sugar show is over because he's still so young and he's got a whole lot of talent but
1: Moving right. on. and if he loses to Peter Yan, I mean, there's nothing to, to to be mad about. I mean, Peter Yan is a former champ. He's, again, one of the best. Is one of the best boxers in the UFC. It's it's nothing to be, you know, upset about in any regard, right? He's a great fighter, and so either way, I think both these guys are destined for better things in the UFC. Uh, but which one wins on Saturday? That's the big question.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, let's go into this one: Aljo versus TJ. We've got Sterling. 135 bantamweight title holder. Sterling has seven fight win streak, which is very impressive. Um, he's got the win over Peter. He's got a win over Corey Sanhagen. He's, he's good, man. I do like Aljo. And then we've got TJ on the opposing side. TJ 17 and four. He's 36 years old. He's 5'6". He is a former champ at 135. Uh, he's got a decision win over Corey Sanhagen. And... Uh, most notably, the loss against 2019 to, in, in 2019 against Cejudo is one thing I do want to bring up. So it's like, his last loss isn't too crazy, you know?
1: Yeah, it was at, it was at 125, too. So it's hard to... For me, it's hard to put too much into that, and then he got suspended. So, you know, that's the, the thing about this fight is that we haven't seen much of TJ to where we can really, in my opinion, make a, a educated judgment. I mean, he fought... Corey Sanhagen, who Sterling has a win over as well. Um, it's tough to get read of. the fight. In my opinion, was ex- was an exciting fight for Sanhagen versus Dillashaw, but it, it, I didn't leave that fight from watching that fight with a ton of information gained from Dillashaw. That makes sense. I guess I, I still think there's stuff to prove for him coming off the really, the really, really long layoff. Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, Aljo and TJ are, are very, very well-rounded as a style perspective is, is going. And, uh, I want to ask you, who do you think, because this is a hard one, this is a hard, hard question, but who do you think has the edge in, uh, in grappling, TJ? Or grappling and wrestling, let's do that. Who has the edge in grappling and wrestling, TJ or Aljo? What do you think?
1: I have two different answers for that question. I think grappling it's Aljo, wrestling is TJ. And to me, they're, they're pretty safe to say that in my opinion. I think striking is the tough part of this equation. Um, but I do think that Aldo's ground game is Better than T.J.'s. I think T.J.'s wrestling is better than Joe's, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard question. I think just because recently what I've seen, I'd I'd have to go Sterling with wrestling and grappling. To be completely honest, it, you you pointed out a great thing. We haven't s- seen T.J. in over a year, um, and we didn't really see much good things with T.J. I mean, that Corey Sandhagen fight, in many eyes, and my eyes specifically, was a pretty close fight. So. I think I would go Aljo with wrestling and grappling, to be completely honest. And I think if we see what Aljo did to Peter last fight in this TJ fight, I think it's going to be pretty dominant for Sterling, to be completely honest. And just to go into something even more with the cards,
1: I think, what, what do you think about their cards, to be honest? You know, I both guys don't really have a ton of, like, high-end rookies. Um, they're both, like, they're they're in the Panini, Panini days. They've both been, like, veteran cards. No-rookies cards from Panini. I think the card will have a bit of a jump for either one, that, if either one wins or which one wins. Um, but I don't see either one ever being, you know, a super high-selling Oliveira, Islam, Khabib kind of guy. O- o- O'Malley, you know, they're just not there. It's kind of like Stipe, kind of like Nganu. It's just... They're they're really good, but I think some of the people a lot of fans and collectors wouldn't want the newer rookies like, you know, O'Malley and Paddy and these guys rather than Sterling's and Dillashaw's veteran cards, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean Sterling and Dillashaw, they don't have the best of market even with their nicer stuff. Even though they're both very dominant fighters in the UFC, uh probably because of I mean, they're not, I wouldn't say they're one of the most likable fighters, either one of them in the UFC. We've got, obviously, TJ with his controversy. And then Aljo, I mean, Aljo, his controversial win, getting the belt the way he obtained it. They just, they just don't have a big fan base. And I think that always reflects pretty much, pretty highly with the card market. We'll say and this, as-
1: though. I, I Sorry to interrupt you, Gavin. But I think if, because we'll know, we'll, we'll know by this fight if O'Malley wins or not. If O'Malley has a great win over Yan, and then either Sterling Dillashaw has a big win in that fight, we could be seeing, of course, O'Malley versus Sterling or O'Malley versus Dillashaw. That may even help Sterling's market or Dillashaw's market, right? I mean, that would probably make some sense, right? You have a big fight against a very, very entertaining, charismatic fighter. People who don't like Sean O'Malley, if they don't, might want to get on the Dillashaw or Sterling train. No, Yeah,
2: for sure. I I didn't even think about that. That's definitely a great point. As far as their market with this fight, though, I don't see a crazy increase in either one. If Aljo wins or if TJ wins individually, maybe a small increase in their cards after a win, maybe. But like I said, they just don't have that massive following and big fan base. So we might see a small increase in their cards. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So what's your prediction? What do you got? Who's
1: winning? I went back and forth on this. I think I may have even text you on the other side of this, but I'm going with Sterling to win this fight, uh, via decision after five rounds.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think you told me TJ earlier in the week, I so I
1: changed my mind. <laughs> I'm I'm
2: also going Aljo, and I'm gonna say by decision. I think we're gonna see a very competitive ground matchup, but ultimately, I think Aljo is gonna rack up a good amount of a uh, control time on the ground, and I think. I think he's probably going to try to do the same thing he did to Peter with uh, just backpacking him the whole time. And like I said, I think the ground control time is going to be really big in this fight. And I think that's ultimately going to get Alja the decision win.
1: And then for the the final in depth preview of this card on 280 on Saturday is the big main event Oliveira versus Makachev for the vacant lightweight title that once did belong to Oliveira, of course. Uh, It's going to be a big fight. This is the fight that. I think when Oliveira beat Gaethje and when Islam beat Bobby Green, we kind of knew this was going to come. It came. It's here. going to happen tomorrow at 9 a.m. in Missouri, in uh, Midwest time. It's going to be a great fight. You have two of the most, just once, these, these guys have such big fan bases too, which I think is really good. You have a lot of, you know, Dagestani fans, Kabi fans, a lot of Oliveira fans, Brazilian fans. It's kind of the the big fight of this, of the weekend and of the year, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, 100%. We've got Oliveira with 11 wins in a row. He's got the most submission wins in UFC history. He's 33 years old. He's 5'10", coming out of Brazil. He's got three straight finishes over Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gaethje with just those three names. I mean, absolutely madness. And then
1: It's a murderer's row. I mean, that is literally a murderer's row of, of fighters, and he finished all three of them.
2: Yeah, and then on on the contrary, we've got Islam Makachev, who's 22 and 1. His only loss is in 2015 at UFC 192 versus Martins. He's fresh off a first round ground and pound TKO over Bobby Green. Before that, he's got wins over Dan Hooker, Tiago Moises, and Drew Dober. He's 31 years old, he's 5'10", trains with Habib among all of the people that we all know that train in Dagestan with the wrestlers. Um From a style perspective, how long do you think it's going to
1: take for Islam to shoot a takedown on Charles? Great question. It's kind of the big question in my opinion. I think for Islam to get a takedown, it has to happen in space. It has to happen via single leg or double leg. Uh, I think Oliveira is so dynamic and so dangerous in the clinch. Uh, I think Islam's got to avoid that at all costs. But I think it happens pretty quickly after the first the first second of the fight happens.
2: I agree. I feel like as soon as Islam gets hit with a solid jab from Charles, he's going to probably immediately shoot the takedown. Because, I mean, we've seen it. Justin Gaethje said it, man. And for it to come from Justin Gaethje, he said Charles has extreme power in his striking. So I think, like I said, as soon as Islam gets a feel on that, because to be completely honest, for Justin Gaethje to say, Charles has that much power. I don't think Islam's fought anybody with the amount of power, quote unquote, no. that Justin Gaethje says Charles has. So, like I said, I feel like as soon as he gets hit with that, he's gonna try to shoot the takedown. He might feel it out. I think, I think we'll see him pretty much feel out, see what he wants to do, and see how Charles is pushing the tempo and stuff. I don't think we're gonna see anything where like we saw Hamza bum rush. Uh, Kevin Holland and immediately shoot the takedown. I think it's going to be a more of a a feeling out game starting the fight. But solid jab from Charles, instant ta- instant shoot for Islam. I think and uh, to go
1: into that, do you think Oliveira finds a sub off his back in this fight? Maybe. I think he, I don't I don't see him submitting Islam off his back, but I do see him as at using his submissions and his attacks to either sweep or to get up. Uh that's, I think, where his best shot at using those are. Uh, but who knows? I mean, maybe come the fourth, fifth round when they're tired, maybe because he can't up. But I think for now, for the first couple of rounds at least, it'll probably be more of a sweep slash get up maneuver if he's on his back to begin with. You know, Oliveira is just so, he's so good at finding ways to win. I mean, in all three of those fights against Chandler, Porgue, and Gaethje, he took some shots, right? He took some shots to all three of those guys. Shaylin almost finished him in the first round, right? So it's just he's so resourceful at kind of taking what's given to him and finding ways to put that against his opponent. You know, Gaethje even in that fight most recently, Gaethje hurt Overe a couple times in the first few minutes of that fight. He kind of stayed stayed very calm, kind of sat down a little bit and and kind of was calm and then took it to Gaethje and in the same round gets a submission, so... I think Oliveira is just so dynamic at everything when it comes to fighting. Uh, but his but his best attribute is his mental side of it. He's so smart. He's so he's so just technical thinking and the way he thinks about the fight is just so is so amazing. And that's why I think he, that's why I think he he's he's my pick to win tomorrow during the day.
2: Yeah, I mean, we stated earlier he's got the most submission wins in the in the UFC. And surprisingly, you would think the opposite for pretty much any other fighter, but Charles thrives on his back. And I'm pretty sure a good amount of his submission wins are off of his back, which is very insane. Like you don't see that very often, especially on a consistent basis. I think the thing is, is like you said, he's very technical. And I think Charles's BJJ is just, it's its honestly incomparable to anyone. I don't think you can really compare his style, what he does, his mentality, especially with his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I don't think you can really compare it to anybody. And I think I, it's just it's hard, man. I, I, it's he's just so good, and I think it's going to be an amazing fight. I'm so excited. And the thing is, is I think a lot of people are riding on Islam's wrestling, but I think they're not taking into consideration this little segment that we're talking about. Is how good Charles is on his back, and I think it's it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, I just want to ask this as well, going into this fight even more. I mean, Oliveira. we, we know how persistent he is and his gas tank is, is really, really good. Um, do you think if Oliveira consistently gets up and up and up after Islam, if Islam gets takedowns, do you think Islam will tire pretty quickly? Or do you think he's going to stay persistent? How do you think Islam's gas tank is going to hold up with Oliveira's pace?
1: Yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't seen much of Islam's gas tank. The fights have ended so quickly, for him at least. But I think both these guys are going to be in great shape, top-of-the-line shape. I don't think we'll see a gas tank issue in this fight. Uh, I think they're both going to be at their best, their peak physically. It's going to be a great fight. But it's, just, it's one of those fights where I could see it being one-sided for either fighter or a really, really close fight, right? It's kind of, I can see... A knockout for either one I submission for either one. It's just it's so hard to to really pinpoint how I see it happening, uh, but I am going with Oliveira. Who's your pick, Gavin?
2: Man, it's 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 a it's a great one. I I'm also gonna go with Charles and the thing is is I wanted to hit on this a little bit. The thing that I think as far as gas tank is concerned, since we haven't seen really islam's gas tank i mean we we know the high level dazigstan wrestling we all know it it's it's talked about all the time islam being what many people want to say is the second coming to habib i think the only gas tank issue i can see is if charles is on his back and we see overthrowing from islam if he wants to do ground and pound if he overthrows if he's if he's worked too hard because like we said Charles is just so solid on his back. So the only way I see a gas tank issue is if we see Islam go in overconfident and try to do too much too fast. So I think that could even open up a submission win for Charles if that does happen. And that's what I'm going to say. I think I'm going to do the champ has a name. I think Charles is going to reclaim his belt. He's going to beat the hype train in Islam. I think he's gonna he's gonna go down as one of the goats this weekend. I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna get the win. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say submission win by Charles. I don't know what round, but I think he's going to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, I win with round 2 KO. I think he'll catch Islam with a knee on his way in. He's very active with his knees and his Muay Thai kind of style, so I'm going with Oliveira via second round knockout with a knee. You know, that's a great point. He's he's been calling first round KO, so
2: it it could it could happen, man. It could definitely happen. And just to touch on this a little more, what do you think for their card markets go? If Charles wins, if Islam wins, let's go with Charles first. What do you think is going to happen with Charles' card market if anything? If he gets the win this weekend,
1: I think they both take off. Either the the winners take off for sure. I mean, they're they're both really likable guys in my opinion. Very kind of calm and nothing bad to say either one, in my opinion. Uh, so I think the winner... And if, look, if Islam wins, he has a big fight against, you know, Darush, Gamrat, Chandler, Poirier. He has a whole... There's a whole array of new opponents for him because the last fight becomes Bobby Green, right? So if Islam wins, he has the whole division of lightweight to go through again, or to go through now. Uh, but if Olivera wins, he has some different opportunities, right? Maybe he fights Darush or Gamrat. Uh, maybe he fights a different division, a guy coming from a different division, maybe, right? So maybe Bukhanovsky, right? So there's each fighter has a lot of perspective opponents, which I think helps the card market of guys off a big win.
2: I agree. I mean, I think both of these guys, if either one of them gets the win, I think both of their markets are probably, honestly, I'm going to say both of their markets are going to shoot up pretty high. I think with a Charles win, a lot of people are going to have him in the go conversation, even though he's still fighting, which is awesome. So I think... His market will go up because of that reasoning. Also, I think, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if if Charles beats Islam and the UFC stars align and Habib wants to come out of retirement, which, like I said, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if that did happen, I mean, we would see a massive, massive skyrocketing price on Charles and Habib cards. And on the other side, like I said, I think if Islam gets the win, since he, he's being compared to Habib. So I think obviously if he gets the win, people are going to want to buy him up even more. So I think his, his stuff can
1: skyrocket too. I think both of them, both their card markets can skyrocket for sure. Definitely. So that's our pick for that fight. I see a little bit of quick hits now on the rest of the card, starting at the first fight of the day at women's bantamweight, Carol Rosa versus Lena Landsberg. I'm going to go with Rosa. Who are you picking, Gavin? Yeah, Nothing too special on this one. I'm going to go Rosa though. Uh, Mokaev versus Gordon at 125. I'm going with Mokaev. Pretty, pretty straightforward, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest lock of the night. I think Muhammad's got that one. Then we got at middleweight, AJ, AJ Dobson versus Armand Petrosin. I'm going with Armen Petroysin in this one.
2: I'm going... See, this, one, this one's a toss-up. This is a prelim toss-up, so... Neither of these guys, from what I've seen, haven't really impressed me too much, but I'm also going to go in as well.
1: Then we have a welterweight fight. So uh, Omar Godziev's going down in weight to fight. Abu Bakbar Nurmagomedov, I'm going with Omar Godziev at welterweight on Saturday. I,
2: I'm also going with him as well. We've got Abu Bakbar. Obviously, the last name draws attention. He does wrestle with Habib and Islam, all the Dazakhstan wrestlers. He just hasn't impressed me, so maybe he impresses me
1: this weekend, but I'm also going uh, Gatsi as well. And we got a featherweight fight. Another, another uh, protégé of Habib, Zubara Tukagov versus Lucas Almeida. I'm going with the Habib protégé in Tukagov. Okay, I'm
2: going with Almeida. actually. I, I like Almeida's speed. I, I really like how quick he is, so I'm going to go with him.
1: Two more to pick of, of this side, I guess. We have uh, Volkan Uzdemir, former title, former title challenger, Volkan Uzdemir, going on against uh, a light heavyweight against Nikita Krylov. I'm going with the upset a little bit, I guess, uh, going with Volkan Uzdemir on Saturday.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's pretty crazy that Volkan is the underdog. I think, I think Volkan's a pretty good lock on the night as well to go with Mohamed Mokev as well.
1: Krylov is just so inconsistent one fight to another, in my opinion, to where I can have confidence in picking him, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think Volkan's last outing was extremely impressive. I mean, definitely. we didn't see anything too crazy, but it was definitely nice to see that he's still got it and maybe
1: a contender, honestly. Well, and that's a good point, Gavin, because Paul Craig was a big submission guy, kind of like Krelov to where Ustamir kind of stayed calm and absorbed the shots, but won the fight. So could be a blueprint to win on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. A Final fight that we haven't picked yet is the uh, a fight at middleweight. Uh, we have Mohamed Muradov versus Kaio Borayo. I'm going with Kaio Borayo to win via submission. Yeah, this is, this is
2: probably my biggest question mark fight on the card, to be completely honest. I feel like we haven't seen much of either of these guys and the fights that they have fought, but I'm also
1: going Kaio as well. I, I think Machmed showed some. He lost him, uh, J- 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 jailed Mearshark via submission. He, he's shown some uh, weaknesses in grappling, to where I think Kaio can get that done on Saturday via submission in round number two. I'm going with round number two.
2: You know what? I'll go round one. <laughs>
1: All right, then we got a little bit of UFC news. Of course, the big the big news of the week is the fights tomorrow. Are the fights tomorrow night or tomorrow during the day? Again, uh, at two at two eighty in Abu Dhabi. But some news cover though. We have uh, the announcement. I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday that uh, the UFC said that fighters can no longer bet or gamble on fights in in, in the UFC, whether it's their fights that they're fighting in or not. Kind of, I guess, is some sort of conflict of interest, maybe. Not quite sure the deep details of why they're doing this, but doesn't make sense to me. What, 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 do, you, what do you think, Evan?
2: Um, personally, I, I feel like it makes... It's like, it's hard. It, I'm, I kind of am on both sides. I feel like it does make sense, and part of me feels like it doesn't make sense. I think it's like... See, the part of me that doesn't make sense, it's like with the UFC, with all sports, there's, you never have... like. I mean, in some cases, maybe, but you still never have that 100% lock on something. And so it's like, yes, I the other side of me, it's like, I understand they're in the UFC. They might have some insight that other people don't have. But like I said, the, the other side of me, it's just like, there's not that 100% guarantee. So it's like, I understand. I don't understand. I, I I
0: don't know, honestly. It's just a toss up for me. The um The one thing I could think of that could be like of concern for them probably is... And I, I'm not saying this happens, but when you go into a big enough amount of money that could potentially be like, well, if you're betting on someone and they're in on that bet where they could like manipulate how the game or how the fight ends, ha- ends up happening, you know what I'm saying, where like the fighter is involved in the bet somehow because Another fighter is betting on it with them or something like that. It could be yeah. that that's could good, be risky, but that's, that's the only point. thing I can well, think of.
1: Didn't the NFL suspend a receiver? I think it was was a Calvin Ridley. I think yeah. It was, but it that's a team. That's a team sport. It's hard to it's hard to bet or have a an outcome decided by one player if you know what's going to happen, right? He, he didn't know what's going to happen. That was kind of crazy, in my opinion. But yeah, as far as Fado was saying, you know, we only have one person fighting one person. It is more susceptible to. Bad things that might happen. I think this is, I think this. I think this is the UFC's way to kind of prevent any concern about that happening going forward.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. That was a great point that Fahad pointed out because, like you said, that that's definitely. You know, as crazy as it sounds, it could happen. I mean, it really could happen. As I can't think of any notably, but I feel like maybe we've seen it in the boxing world a couple times. So yeah, I think it might be a good thing. Honestly, I mean. Like I said, I'm kind of on both sides, going back and forth, but it might be a good
1: thing. Also in the news over the week was that Elir Latifi has been suspended indefinitely for failing to to disclose his staph infection before his fight. Uh, I think it was two or three weekends ago. I think I remember him saying that, yeah, I have staph infection after he won the fight. And I guess no one in Nevada or any of his coaches knew that he had staph infection very very dangerous thing to be fighting with uh not a very good sign for him uh kind of gross just not a good thing and um kind of the only piece of news we have to talk about the rest of the show is that news hard news to end on per se but um this is kind of weird right like uh i
2: don't know it sucks dude i mean it that it just sucks to hear news like that because it's like coming off a win I'm pretty sure for him specifically. I, I was kind of excited to see what was next for my man, the, my man the sledgehammer. I wanted to see him back in action soon, and <laughs> now we've got a submission for something like that. It's just it's it's annoying to see. Well,
1: he had gotten so far as to winning the fight, right? Like just, just don't say anything. And I mean, I I'd say lie about it, keep lying about it. But if he didn't say anything, it would never have been a suspension or anything like, or anything like that, in my opinion. So. But, yeah, either way, though, very, very bad with what he did. Uh, it's it's not healthy. It's not safe. Um, Hopefully, I have better things going forward to prevent that from happening again. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of the ending of the new segment for this show.
0: All right. And with that, we will wrap up today's episode of Cards of the Octagon. Thank you, Devin. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, this has been an entertaining episode, I hope, for everyone. Uh, reminder. Uh, UFC 280 is going to be tomorrow, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, Central Time. Uh, Gavin, you're in. Uh, what time zone again? I'm in Eastern. Eastern. So, what time is it for you in Eastern? It should be 10. All right. So, so Gavin is going to be watching it at 10 Eastern. We'll be watching it at 9 a.m. Central. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, to the episode. Um, again, reminder to follow our account. That's where we're all our accounts. uh, That's where we're going to keep up, uh, most of the information. So when episodes are coming out, when new videos come out, uh, what announcements we have is going to be over on Twitter and on our Instagram. Uh, the Instagram is going to be at cards of the octagon. The Twitter will be at cards octagon. Uh, don't forget to follow, uh, Gavin at all time cards, follow three, one, four sports cards at three one four sports underscore cards and follow me uh, at food film Fahad and uh, stay tuned for next week's episode we'll be reviewing what happened at UFC 280 and we'll talk about the fight night after which is Qatar versus Allen uh, we will also have um, some more announcements in terms of videos and other guests coming on uh, maybe for YouTube videos so on and so forth Um, other than that thank you guys so much so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode peace out